They live in a world of 57-inch chests, 22-inch arms, 28-inch thighs, and hundreds of pounds of rock-hard muscle. To some, they're freaks. To some, they're sex objects. To some, they're heroes. In fact, they are the most physically perfect of all men. And they got that way by pumping iron. On the day of the podcast, known as a child, I am like his father. What's happening, everybody? I'm Nolan. Stacy Glover. Melanie Daniels. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Today's episode is a special one. We are celebrating the birth of Stacy Glover. Uh, it's his birthday episode. I will say... Um, I'm going to allow what he just said because it's his day, so I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to get angry. I respect it. Do you accept the metal fingers? Yeah. I'm going to take them. But you don't see him as a father figure. No. Well, sometimes. I am older. Uh, it's almost fall, so that's a positive. I'm sick of uh, summer because where we live it is awful, humid, and warm. For today's show, we're going to be talking about... The great documentary, Pumping Iron. Docudrama. Docudrama. Legendary. That. One of and my favorites. Absolutely. And uh, so I think we're going to have fun with that. First things first, what's everybody drinking today? I'll start off. Hold uh, on. Stacey, yes. are you drinking milk? You like these for babies. When you grow up, you drink beer. Okay. Can I, can I say what I'm drinking now? It is allowed. Okay. <laughs> Well, for this fine show today, I'm drinking a Greater Pumpkin, I think that's just the name of it, the Greater Pumpkin. Uh, this is from Heavy Seas Beer, and uh, it's a pumpkin ale brewed with pumpkin and spices aged in bourbon barrels. It's a strong one. It's a 10 percenter. From Baltimore, Maryland. I'm sorry, Baltimore. Are you feeling sorry. strong, my friend? Oh, yeah. Super strong. Yeah. Let me let me sip this real quick. Mm, that is damn tasty. I might have a few of these this Halloween season. All right, Melanie, what are you drinking? Pumpkin ale. So this is a brown ale brewed with pumpkin and spices. This is Dogfish Head, and I have never had this one. I'm just having a Founders All Day IPA. All right. Well, before we get into the film today, what's everybody been up to lately? Who wants to go first today? Ladies first. Every day in September and October, try to watch one type of horror film or another for September. And we talked about this, I think, last year during our Halloween episodes, that September uh, is more for, like, fringe horror stuff on the outskirts. That's horror, but not necessarily full-blown horror. Just going through my list. So, nice. so far, the first week was mainly when animals attack. So did the birds, alligator, chaw, or chaws, which is a okay. war, wild boar film. It was very funny. This week, proto slasher kind of. The wind came up, and I love Meg Foster, so I was like, I'm going to put that on there because I've never seen it. I didn't realize Arrow was releasing it, but 
I will say it was a fun movie and nope. the print looked good. I believe I've ever heard of that one. There's some good performances, and if you love Meg Foster, you I, should go I for it. I enjoy Meg Foster. Last year, I watched a lot of Atomic Horror during this time, so I was watching a lot of Jack Arnold films, but this year, I've kind of been mixing it up. I watched The Time Machine, because I want to see the Morlocks. I watched Valley of Guanji, which is a personal favorite of mine, and Warner Archives had that Blu-ray that came out, I think, a couple years ago. Looks beautiful. Are we going to do Loving Transfer. Valley of Guanji eventually? Yeah, it... Valley of Wanji is my favorite dinosaur movie that doesn't involve King Kong or a park. Okay. An amusement park where things go wrong. Fair enough. Valley of Wanji's awesome. Have I, I made you watch it. that none? No, I haven't. If you did, it was when we were younger, I don't remember it, but surprising. <laughs> I also was able to nab a PS5. I've been playing that Resident Evil Village. Alright. Well, uh, I've got a few things I'm gonna mention real quick. I rewatched Beverly Hills Cop from 1984, uh, directed by Martin Brest. So I haven't seen this movie in, I don't know, it's probably been like six or seven years. Yeah. You and I went to the movie theater and watched a 35mm print of this. Yeah. Whatever that was, that was the last time I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, within like the last, that's probably like eight or nine years. Yeah. So uh, rewatched it. I, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan from the 80s, as a lot of people are. But I think like the biggest takeaway from this movie is for me, just watching Eddie on screen, it's like, I really noticed his eyes in this film, 30 minutes of the film, when his friend Mikey, or Mike, whatever his name is, comes to town, and they're having a drink at the bar. It's like, you really feel, even though we just met this character, and you don't really, aren't really 100% sure on the relationship, but you feel he cares very much about this guy, just the way he looks at him and the way he talks to him. And I really felt that in this movie, so like, I don't know, I... Murphy was such a good actor, and I think like he gets shit on now, obviously, because he's made a lot of bad choices throughout his career, like, as he got older. Yeah, but his work in the 80s, but, it was, I mean... Yeah. Well, it's also crazy to think, like, he's still only in his 20s in that movie. Yeah. You know, off of SNL and his comedy specials, and then, what, 48 Hours is yeah. in 81? Which is another movie I absolutely love. And yeah. he's, I think he's, what, 24 yeah. when he does 48 Hours? Yeah, that's like, dude that. became one of the biggest names on the planet at such a young age. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, he's great. And it, it's, it's a really solid movie. Like, I miss so much practical sets and set pieces and action. And just the opening set, there's, like, a really big car chase. And it's nothing, like out of this world, but just, like, the way that the shots are set up and the way they go about it, like, it just feels natural and it feels organic. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. But, anyway, it's it's a really good movie. So, if you guys haven't seen it in a while, and it's really funny. You know, obviously, Stick with Bananas and Tailpipes will always be a go-to. Also, isn't Paul Reiser in this film for yes, a bit as an antagonistic cop? Yeah. How do you feel about Paul Reiser in the antagonistic 80s? He's yeah. a bad guy in Aliens. I like Paul Reiser. Were you mad like about him. you? I don't like him, but that's the point. <laughs> that's exactly the point. He's I mean, when are you over with Mad About You with the hell and hell, oh, man? No. <laughs> uh, real quick, I'll just mention some bad things I've watched. Um, <laughs> I've decided to go on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Obviously, I've, I've, I've seen the first four relatively... Ex- wait, explain what you're, what you're actually watching. Yeah, so I'm watching basically... The remake on. Okay. So this would be the 2000, was it? Four. Four movie, yes. Um, starring the great Jessica Biel. So that's where I started. I had seen that one before. I rewatched it. 
wasn't huge on any of these. It's probably the best out of the ones I've seen. So is, you might remember this, Stacy. I don't know if you own one. Is the trailer Phase Superstars the cover? No. So the trailer for Texas Chainsaw was very about? much like the original you know film. I, mean? I know what you're talking about. Where it was the camera, like the bulb going off. The <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. Oh, and it was yeah. the shot of like that the blonde guy running through like the hung up like sheets with Leatherface chasing him. I think what? it was Jessica Biel in the meat house with like the frozen wet tank top. I just know that we were at the movies, me and Nolan, at some point, and the trailer for Kill Bill Volume One and Texas Chainsaw played on front of the same movie, and I was more pumped for Texas Chainsaw because of the trailer. Like how much it looked like the original film, mm, yeah. Like with their editing, Sorry, not, not not the, the final product, no, obviously. I, I remember, like, I think both of us liked it somewhat when we were younger. Like, yeah, I watch it now, and it's it's really not that good to me. It's like, you know, it's okay. It's, there are moments like it's it's a very grisly, gory movie, um, and the effects are practical. The and shot that always stands out, which when you were talking about this, I asked you if it still looked good, is uh, Jessica Biel in the movie, her boyfriend. Yep. Like, whenever he takes the face yeah. and turns mm -hmm. around. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember thinking, like, oh, that looks good. Sure. See, I always feel like the standout shot time. was when the person, the hitchhiker they pick up because it's a victim, they blow their brains out, and the camera does, oh, yeah. like, that right. pan oh. shot where it goes through the skull. And obviously the thing that sticks out of mine, the Michael Bay ass shot of Jessica Biel, which I think Bay owes a lot to the first Texas Chainsaw Well, let's also give credit. I think Marcus Nistel directed that first That's Chainsaw true. film. Yeah. I will say, not a fan, but it was the best of the these newer films that I have seen. Uh, after that, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning from 2006. Uh, man, I, yeah, just, just really awful. And then uh, I also watched Watch Texas Chainsaw 3D from 2015. Oh, so what did you think of the physics with the oh. Daddario? How'd they keep them in place? I don't know. Because it almost doesn't yeah. look like there's double-sided tape. It's true. It's you really... think they, they last crusaded that and stapled <laughs> it to her? It is possible. But you saw it. I did see it. Yeah. And it was... Man. Is my memory correct? Is Leatherface kind of like a good guy by the end of the film? Like, he's an anti-hero? <laughs> doesn't he, like... Isn't there, like, bad guy cops or something stupid? And, like, he saves the Daddario? Yeah, so... <laughs> This this movie, if I what I gather from it, is trying to be a direct sequel to the original, right? Which I think the the next two movies are like okay. yeah. And so basically, after the events of the original, uh, we have our uh, lady get away, you know, and everything. And Leatherface uh, goes back to the family, and they're all um, they're all congregated in the house. And the town, whatever town, I don't know. I don't know that that's place in Texas. Wherever they're at, word gets around because the girl gets out and she lets, you know, everybody know what happened. So this town, like, the police come to the house and a stakeout happens. And so it's the, like devils reject yes, too. Basically. Like there's a full on yeah, raid. They're like, okay, come out. We know what you've done. <laughs> This family, come out. We're going to take you in. Be peaceful. And basically, they think about it, and then they're like, okay, we're going to comply. So there's, so we don't have a lot of dead people. So the Sawyer family is getting ready to comply. As they're getting ready to comply, 
uh, trucks and cars full of like town hicks. A full on vigilante like, justice, like, like Night of the Living Dead. Thirty, yeah, it is. I thought of that a lot watching this. So yeah, they all gang up on this house, and the sheriff's like, "No, we got this under control." And they're like, "No, you don't." And out of nowhere, they just start shooting up the house. They kill the whole Sawyer family. Wait, which one is this? This is the Texas Chainsaw 3D, I think. All the Sawyer family dies. We see everybody die. Then they burn it down. Wait, wait, wait. Have you watched the movie after Leatherface? Um, Leatherface is the only one I haven't seen, which is the newest one. I'm pretty sure that same scene happens in that movie. Okay. That one is next on my list. I might be mistaken. It be Leatherface, which is the last one. I'm going to end this because I've been talking about this way too long, but... The Sawyer family dies, all right? In but real 3D. The only one person doesn't die. Well, two, actually. There's a baby. It is saved. Uh, the baby um, is saved by, like, the police or Is the, is the baby the Daddario? Yes. And she gets out. She ends up being a cousin to Leatherface. Leatherface also survives because he was in the basement of the house. So he survives and I'm going to stop there because there's a lot more I could talk about. Okay. I have a question. Okay. Is there a scene? Because this is the only thing I remember from this movie besides the wind that happens on her shirt. Yeah. Okay, so at the beginning, like, not the beginning, after all Mm -hmm. of this nonsense, when the story actually starts with the kids, our new set of kids, they go to this house. Is Leatherface in the basement and they have, is there like a ton of latches and like nails and stuff and a door? Yeah, right there. Okay. And they're like, whoa, what's down there? Let's open this door. And it's like, you don't open that door. Yeah. You don't open that door. Basically, you find out that um, Denario, that's how you say Dar- it. The Dario. The Dario. I don't, yeah, okay. The Dario. <laughs> love on that name. I'm sorry. Uh, you find out that she, she was adopted, so she didn't know who her real parents were. Okay? No idea. She finds out that her real parents were part of the Sawyer family, and she has a family member left alive from there, like a distant aunt or something, and she has been living at the big house where... Sawyer proper. Yeah, Sawyer, yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. And she's passed away, and she knew that the Dario was... Is that a really how, I don't good. know. Well, it's like Alexander Daddario? Yeah. Uh, that, she, that she was still alive, and so she willed her this house, Okay. So they go so there. So her and her friends are like, oh, man, we're going to go Do a check this out. So they go to the house. When they get there, like, weird, this, the guy who's, like, the lawyer gives them, like, gives her the keys and gives her this letter. And it's like, this is from your great aunt, whoever she was. It's like, you need to make sure you read this before you, of course, she never reads it or whatever. She's too busy. You find out that. They're partying and everything, and yeah, Leatherface has just been living in the basement of this house all these years, and the great aunt, like, leaves him down there, but she, like, gives him food, and it's like, this this weird stuff going on, and as they're, like, partying everything, like, like you said, one of the guys goes and sees, like, where's this door? Crazy door. Leatherface down there obviously kills him. Immediately. Kills, you know, more of the friends, and then... The, all the hicks that are still alive from the time before get involved and they find out she's a Sawyer and now they want to kill her. And yeah, like... Because the, the wind thing, her arms are like chained above her head. Like some BDSM, yeah. like open shirt yeah, stuff. There's, there's yeah. a lot going on. And man, what a, what a movie. I've, I can't believe we've talked this long Did about Did you enjoy it. it, though? I was entertained the, the first half. 
Then there gets a point when... There's too much plot. There is. There's a lot going on. For that type of thing. And it's only an hour and a half movie, but like 30 minutes that I just didn't... Man, get me out of here. Get me through this thing. And, yeah. When thinking about it, is it weird to you that there's like as many Texas Chainsaw movies as there are Nightmare on Elm Street films? That's pretty... Uh, yeah. Now those first four... That makes you think. What, Texas Chainsaw? Texas Chainsaw. Texas let's say first two. Oh, let's say... Let's say two, three, next generation, Saw's family. Continuing, you yeah. so you went through Saw, you started Purge, now you're yeah. doing random Texas yeah. Chainsaw. I really love your so choices. What's, what's yeah. coming up next when you're done with these bad movies? I, I'm hoping to go back to Purge because I've still only seen the first one. So we'll see. It's More also Purge. a matter of how available they are because I don't really want to spend money to rent them at this point. So if they're not available to stream, I'll have to figure something else out. But... In my Texas Chainsaw journey, I have Leatherface left, and that will be that. All right, I'm done. I'm sorry that went on so long. That's okay. All right, so 1977's Pumping Iron, directed by George Butler and Robert Fiore. Mm-hmm. Now, as we said, Stacy, this is your pick. It's your birthday. This is a fun time, and we're going to enjoy talking about this. So... Pumping Iron is a 1977 documentary film about the run-up to the 1975 Mr. Olympia bodybuilding competition. The film focuses on Arnold Schwarzenegger and his competitors, Lou Ferrigno and Franco Colombo. Did yep. I say that right? Yep. Okay. The documentary was co-directed by Robert Fiore and George Butler. It was based on the book of the same name by Charles Gaines and George Butler. Charles Gaines wrote the book for Pumping Iron... And George Butler did the photography. And George Butler became fascinated with this world and one, you know, thought it would make for a good motion picture, which I think he is right. So over, I think it was like a three-year span, they were trying to get financing for this film and just shooting footage. Now they tried everything, trying to figure out how to bring this to the screen. There was even... They plotted it out. They got Bud Court from Harold and Maude, oh, oh. the like every man to like come in and join this world. And you know Arnold was going to teach him like about lifting weights. And there's kind of a scene similar to that where he's teaching the one guy to pose in the film. Bud Court, you know, who was a fan of bodybuilding, like appreciated what they were doing, but he felt that he was wrong for the film. So him, the producers, you know, agreed to split amicably. Because you know, it would be better for the film to focus on the bodybuilders. Okay. Which I think is an interesting tidbit and good on Bud. And I think bodybuilding, especially during like that time during the 70s, so interesting. Yeah. yeah it's definitely. a cool sport. Very nice. Melanie, you had seen this movie before. Honestly, the first scene I I had ever seen from this was the coming day and night. That was my intro to sure. this film. Uh, same. I feel like most people, if they know anything about Pumping Iron, it's that tidbit. Yeah. For, and this is, like, the first time you'd truly seen yes. it from start to finish. Yeah. Like, you've seen bits and pieces, and pieces countless yes. times. It is so entertaining. Yeah. It is such an entertaining... I feel like just anybody that hasn't seen this that might be listening, us talking about a documentary... Um, well... Docudrama. A docudrama about bodybuilding, you'd think, like, yeah, okay, Arnold's entertaining enough. It is so insanely entertaining from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Everyone that's in it is engaging in a way and you care about people. It's just so good. We say docudrama because they're very forthcoming about 
a lot of the film being staged. Which the I competition, didn't actually know, by the way. Yeah. But the competition obviously is real. Backstory the, stuff is real. The backstory, the lifting, all that stuff is real. It's just the stories they tell either blatantly false in Arnold's case. Most of the stuff or Arnold says is exaggerated. And I think George Butler does a really good job in finding character in these people and really building that up and creating mm-hmm. scenes around what's already there naturally. And I think that it's very influential on documentaries after that, mm-hmm. you know, because Errol Morris, like his whole style, which he, he wasn't nominated for his phenomenal film, Thin Blue Line, because mm-hmm. of the staging of that documentary. Sure. And I think a lot of documentarians have adapted this style, especially message documentaries, where they're very like single perspective, trying to get you to go for a thing. You a certain yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing. No. But I think a lot of documentaries after this film adapted some style and form that George Butler is showing here in not only just giving you facts, but also being entertaining mm-hmm. and telling a story. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, I want to have a not very long, but small side tangent on um, staging and documentary. What are you guys' thoughts on it? Obviously, I don't have... I, I've heard the opposite side where people complain about moves like this. I love it because I think making a movie, whether it's documentary or not, you, you still have to create a story and you're, you're trying to create something that is still going to flow and fits the narrative that you're trying to build. Even documentary filmmaking, like even documentaries that maybe don't stage, like they're still trying to create a narrative. Yeah. Like, so with me, like there was a movie I watched last year that I really embraced quite a bit called Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. And it's about a, a bar that was getting ready to shut down. And it's like the last night of this bar, the last 24 hours in this day. And I loved the movie. I found out later that it was very staged. So, like, the bar was not, it was like where they filmed it was a completely different bar than it was supposed to be. And, like, the people that were coming in were customers of different bars, but they weren't, like, to that specific one. And, like, so they were, they, they were still documentary filmmaking, but it was also, like, it was staged to a way that they that fit this narrative. Like for me, it didn't matter because it didn't change my appreciation of the movie because it still hit me narratively and I I still really enjoyed it. It was in doing. If it presents itself as such, like that's fine. But leading up anything that I've read about it, if it's coming across that, no, this is a hundred percent real, none of it's staged, but then you find out, you peel back the layers and you find out that to me is super shitty. I don't like that. But yeah. if if what they're setting out to do, if they're honest about it and it's known, yeah. like any publicity around it, any interviews afterwards, if yeah. they're honest, I'm sure. fine. I don't care because I just want a good story no matter what I'm intaking. Mm-hmm. I think like my favorite documentaries are the more dramatic ones like Man on a Wire. Um, what was the one that can't free solo? You know, things like that that are like these dramatic personal journeys. And I think those are influenced by this. I think that Errol Morse's films are influenced by this type of style because he's very big. Like, his big contribution is staging mm-hmm. of, like, reenactments of events. Mm-hmm. And I find that stuff interesting. It doesn't mean that it's completely blatantly false or not real. Like, just because in Free Solo, if, like, if that guy fails, 
like you're not going to see a guy die on film. They're they're not going to do that. And Man on Wire, yes, he really did that stuff. How much of the story behind that mm. is well, and all the you know, factual? Stuff and, and like, yeah, 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 different than watching something like Three Cameras or The Square. Something where it's like somebody just had a mini DV mm-hmm. camera and was shooting while a thing was happening. Yeah, which but, that it's that stuff is equally compelling and amazing, mm-hmm. and I want both, but it's I don't think mm-hmm. one's lesser than the other. Yeah, and, and I think this film having the staged bits, I I think it really helped sell the movie, and I also think that it helped bodybuilding because if you're just showing the competitions. You know, maybe there's a little dryness in there. Maybe well, like, maybe you don't find that as interesting if you don't know the people, why they're doing what they're doing. Well, even Nolan, like, you've seen bits and pieces mm-hmm. of this, but kind of, we, like, paused halfway through watching this time mm-hmm. because Stacy explained what actually, like, yeah. is being judged in the competition right. and the yeah. kind of order of, like, how you get to Olympia. Yeah. I, I come from it as I'm not a weightlifter and, and I, don't, I don't know this world at all, but... It didn't matter because I was very enthralled with but the But the film. way they present it is yeah. so interesting, even Absolutely. if you don't care. Yeah. But it's nice that there's yeah. not a point in the film where they're just like, because mm-hmm. I feel like now they would do like a chart of right. like, this is how you start. Sure. And da, 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 mm-hmm. like it'd be very No, cool. it's, I agree. I think it's great I love filmmaking because, yeah, I think there's a point too where like we get too much like entrapped in, in trying to explain everything bogged and down. bogged down. And I'm like, no, this this is like purest form documentary. It has a great narrative to go along. So I mean, yeah, it's a great movie. I loved it. I'm glad you loved it. Yeah, that brings joy to my heart. All right, Noni's notes time. Well, here we go. Ballet poses. It's all about the pose. Titular song. Uh, over credits. Sick track. Pumping iron. Meshes together with montage of bodybuilders showing off their muscles and poses. What do you think of those old videos? Like they showed like Charles Atlas mm-hmm. and Eugene Sandow, like the old timey ones yeah. with that song. It was I think it was a great opening. Yeah, showing the history. Yeah, we get Gold's Gym, which uh, you told me is one of the most well known gyms. The mecca is what they call it for lifting. Yeah. Okay. We are very early on introduced to the great Arnold Schwarzenegger. How you doing, Big Mike, Big Tony? I love him just going around. He, he, Saying hi to everybody. He says hi to everybody in the gym. <laughs> and it's funny because he's wearing that Arnold is number no, one. Numero uno. Yeah. Yeah. Great shirt. <laughs> so what do we think of like Arnold's performance in this film? It, is Arnold playing a heightened version of Arnold the best character work Arnold's done? See, the king of the hill can only go down. That's right. The king of the hill can only go down. There's or stay no, up. Or he can stay on that hill. Right. That's stay the other the, possibility. Stay on the hill, right? Stay up. But the but the wolf People on the hill, the hill. But look, the wolf on the hill, right? Is not as hungry as the wolf climbing the hill. It's true. See? He's not as hungry, but not when he hungry. wants the food, it's there. Oh, I. Yeah, I'm gonna talk. I'll talk about this like, a lot. He sells Honestly, himself through the film. If they had done a series of this, mm-hmm. of I know Arnold, like he retired. We'll get to all of that, but I would watch Arnold just being. A slightly shitty villain. Yeah. Always. Just all day. He, but there's something magnetic about his performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he is someone that knew he there I mean Arnold has like this magic where anything he set out to do, he just did it. He is one mm-hmm. of those people that truly, if he puts his mind to something, he will do it. Every single goal that he set for himself, he crushed it. 
and he just has this, especially at this time, because it's like he's getting ready to pop off and go do Conan, do right. and do just become a huge action star. Yeah. And he says it in this even that, you know, like the next step is going, or he might say it in the documentary where he's talking about stuff, but it's like yeah. he wants to be an action star, and it's like, you did that. What's, what I find a bit fascinating is he plays such a good heel and villain here. Obviously, a Hollywood saw the charisma, so like we need this guy as our leading guy for a lot of these action well, films. Terminator, he's yeah, I think Terminator One is his only like yeah. villain role. Which don't get me wrong, I I enjoy him as the hero and good guy, but he's so good at like just being being a little shit. Yes, absolutely. We meet Arnold. We we see uh, we we meet some of these bodybuilders here getting ready for Mister Olympia and Mister Universe competitions. We have a little. Thing that pops up like it's a hundred days until mm-hmm. or something. They uh, have it on the board. In yes, Jim. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Arnold uh, lifting face, uh, strong O face game. Uh, Arnold, the top bodybuilder for the last seven years. Uh, Arnold is super swole. The pump. Uh, it's as satisfying as coming is like sex with a woman. Can I read this whole quote? I think yeah. I can find it. It's as satisfying to me as coming is. You know as having sex with a woman and coming. And so you can believe how much I'm in heaven. I am like uh, getting the feeling of coming to gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up. When I pose in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? So, you know, I'm in heaven. And the key thing with all of that is he is lounging. He is sitting back in this amazing shirt, red pants. Mm-hmm. He looks killer. And he has sandals on. And he's just... He's taking up, it's like this, doing the male spreading, where he's taking up, I mean, he's a huge guy at this sure. point, obviously. He is taking up so much of the frame, and just has his arms out, and he's coming day and night. Yeah, this this is absolutely, like, a peak point in documentary filmmaking. In general, just cinema, I think. Because no one could coach him to say that. Yeah. I don't know, all this shit, he's just coming up from the top of his head. <laughs> if you read, like, stuff that he's written or, you know, ghostwritten or whatever, he is a very alpha male, sexually driven human. Like, many of his stories are about, you know, I think I was telling you guys, like, he has this story about going to the woods and just doing squats <laughs> until they can't walk, drinking beer, and then just having sex with the ladies that are there, just out in the woods. <laughs> Just ask you one question, the usual we ask. Um, what was must your um, well, special woman look like? Um, it really doesn't matter. You know, I like them with black hair, with brown hair, with red hair, with big breasts, with little breasts, with big eyes, with the little eyes. You know, they, if, uh, if their personality is great and if they're charming. What a character. It definitely is just... One of the best quotes. Like, does it inspire you a little? Like, you want to know what that feels like? No, because I have lifted weights once in high school, and I hated every second of it. Did you ever get... Okay, so, but you played sports and you ran and stuff. Did you ever get a runner's high? No, I I hated to run. You just felt like you were going to die. Did you ever get, like, when you're lifting, like, you ever get, like, to where that lactic acid burns so much that it does feel like your skin's going to tear? Yeah, I, I my biggest thing is I was never a... Like, I had muscle, but not, I was never, like, a very huge guy, so, like... That's I, from choice. You're genetically gifted. Well, that's fine, but I'm just saying, like, I never <laughs> had that They moment. can't see your calves, but we can. I could... I did deadlift a lot. Yeah. A guy with your frame. Yeah. What could have been? What could have been? Mm-hmm. What could I mean, be? still could what be. What could be? 
<laughs> I always have that in my mind. What could be, what could have been. All right. Casablanca. Uh, <laughs> we have, we get Arnold going to a federal prison. Uh, he's doing some posing for some of the inmates. Everyone wants him, ladies and the men. Uh, we meet Mike Katz, a Connecticut man, family man, a junior high school or a junior high teacher. Uh, he was a football star in school, had a tryout with the New York Jets. Uh, we also meet uh, a guy he's going up against for the Mr. Universe, Ken Waller, a nasty redhead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to be nice because these are real people. Look, I don't know. Ken is a good, Ken, they're both really good characters, though. I will say, like, just his little time on screen, he played a good villain, too. Yeah. He's not on screen that often, but they're, so you, you, you want to hear a little, a little ditty from this time? Yeah. So he said that he regretted shooting the football scene about the, uh, like, because what they did was... About like, ripping on Mike Katz? Well, stealing his t-shirt from yeah. the contest, because, yeah, like, he did do that as, like, a prank, but it wasn't to be, like, mean-spirited, because yeah. all these guys were friends and worked out and together. They worked together. And they all rooted for yeah. each other. And he wasn't trying to be mean, but then... They thought it would be a better story, you know, because Mike is so sensitive. Yeah. And, like, he does come across, like, you are rooting yeah. for him because, you know, he feels like an underdog in this yeah. world. And bodybuilding at that time, like, a lot of those advertisements, they showed it when they were doing Blue Story, was, like, those Troll Atlas things mm -hmm. that would be in the back of the comic books where, like... Hey, four eyes. Hey, nerd. <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm going to lift weights and be strong so you can't talk to me like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And you hear these guys' stories, and it is like all of them, they show their kids' pictures or when they're teenagers, and, and they're, they're all nerdy they're and like skinny. Beans. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they read these comic books and see these ads, and it's like, well, you know, I can be big, I can be strong. I, and that's kind of cool and inspiring. Oh, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Ken Waller said he regretted shooting that scene because when he would do bodybuilding shows after, people would boo him they after do. the movie. That's great. I mean, it sucks for him. But I mean, <laughs> it, it does fit very narratively with the film that makes him seem like just a just a big jerk off. Yeah, but it is like funny after after he wins and Mike is like, "Yeah, that's terrific. I gotta yeah. go shake his hand and get my yeah. t-shirt back." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as you just alluded to. Uh, Ken Waller beats out Mike Katz for Mr. Universe. Mike gets fourth place, so he doesn't quite finish that top three. Uh, Ken Waller wins the 1975 Mr. Universe. Uh, Arnold, we get back to him, uh, gives some backstory on his childhood and family. Uh, then we meet Lou Ferrigno, uh, contender for Mr. Olympia title. 24 yeah, at the time. Young, young boy. And well, and Arnold, so a lot of the guys that were competing and winning in these Olympias, because Mike Katz is, what, 31 and in the universe, and I think Ken Waller's a little older, too. And Arnold is just a freak of nature who was competing at a high level at such a young How age. How old is Franco? They don't say his age anymore. He, he's older than Arnold. Yeah. So probably early 30s. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, something like that. Okay. But, so, like, for Lou to... You know, get into the Olympia at 24, like that is a big deal. Yeah. And he looked great. Yeah, very much. I think we get a, a line from his dad saying that Lou is the largest bodybuilder ever. Yes, that is correct. What do they say? He's 6'5, 270. 270, big, 280. Big man. Yeah. He's, he, yeah, he is huge. Yeah. Uh, great sideburns on Lou, a strong sideburn game. 
uh, orgasmic lifting from Lou. We get some really good sounds and, and faces. Lou has a hearing issue, hard of hearing since he was a small child. So did you, because you, everybody's aware of Lou Ferrigno because mm-hmm. of the Incredible Hulk. Sure. And did you know that he was partially deaf before this no, movie? No, I knew he had, I didn't know what, I knew something was physically wrong with him because... He has a speech impediment. He has a speech impediment, and I I remember like when you used to watch this, you know, you would you'd mentioned so, yeah, that it makes sense. Uh, he also they say in the, the film that he got very good at lip reading. So, King of the Hill can only go down or stay up. This was Arnold uh, giving his opinion of Lou Frigno beating him at Mister Olympia. Uh, <laughs> we get some Lou and Arnold training and getting ready for their Mister Olympia competition. Uh, I wrote this as a side note. Uh, you know Rocky IV took a great deal of influence from this for his workout montages. All the Rocky films in general, except the first one, I guess, because it was actually came out before this. But Rocky IV is always on my mind. So. <laughs> and do you still have the montage lines? Nolan, what do you or. think of Lou's dad? How do you feel about Lou's dad? I, I enjoy him. Marty? I, oh, Marty. The thing, I and I said this as we were watching it at the end, but the only thing I was concerned about is, like, he's really, like, giving him all these suggestions on how to pose and how to look. And I'm like, what are his, like... At one what? point, I think you asked, you're like, what does he know? What's his credentials here? <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing. I respect that he was, what he was doing, but I just was, I was unsure about... How much trust he should have in, in his father. Here. Good for the film, probably bad for Lou. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Professionally. But I do like his dad as a character in this film because he's very talkative um, and he he is. Uh, he's a character. He's a character, yeah. I'm well, sure. and they put him and Arnold on screen at the same time and like. Old Marty, he doesn't back down. No, no he can go round for round. Yeah. With, he, he talks. He, with Arnold, yeah. without intimidation. I love that when they're sitting down for breakfast, yeah. they're all in those blue tracks. That's a really good scene. And I mentioned it later. He, it is. At some point, I think he, his dad, or Lou's dad says, like, I wouldn't turn my back on you like from 500 yards away or whatever. <laughs> and Arnold just loses it. And it's yeah. like, you little snake. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't trust me. <laughs> That's right. Yep. That's so good. It's very good. Uh, all right. Next up, um, we kind of get a little insight on Franco Colombo, Arnold's best friend. He swole. Italian dreamboat <laughs> beefcake. Uh, Franco uh, moves cars. He's godlike. Also in contest uh, with in Mr. Olympia. Uh, we get a... Anything you guys want to say about Franco before I move on? Franco is my favorite bodybuilder. I, I love Franco so much. I think it's really cool that Franco was at one time considered the strongest person in the world. Because he's He's what, five foot four, five foot? Yeah, he, he's very short. I think in competitions, the only way, like 180, 185. But he, his records for lifting are insane. Well, he does just lift a car. And yeah. he is in, this scene kills me because he's in a button up, a tight button up, tight slacks. <laughs> And they, like, back the car up a little bit. He's like, oh, you need a little bit more. He yep. just lifts it, like, two or three more times. Dude is stacked. It's insane. And it's not even – it's just easy. I think it's also cool, like, 
you know, people watch the stuff and they see their like action movies. Like Franco did a bunch of like direct to video action films. Well, and, and pretty he's much also anything, in like Arnold's early films. Yeah, anything early on Arnold did. It, I don't know if it was in his contract that Franco had to be in it, but he's in so many <laughs> yeah, things. That's true. Yeah, but he's like both of them are so smart and educated. Like they know three or four languages. Oh yeah. Like Franco mm-hmm. speaks Italian, German, English, and. Like, he He's went on doctor. to run a, He's yeah, a he, he was a dentist, nice. like, ran his own practice. I think that the reason that, I don't remember if it was, like, working practice or going to school to start his practice, but that's the reason he's not in the movie more, because Ed Corney is seen training with Arnold a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the gentleman with the mustache. Yeah. And it was supposed to be Franco in those scenes, it's just Franco wasn't available, okay. because Franco was... Legitimately, Arnold's training partner. Well, him and Arnold were like inseparable for a large part of both of their lives. Yeah, they both came to like America together, lived together. Like, and they talk about that. I think they ran a construction business like when they first got there. Yeah, they they talk about it a little bit here, and that's part of the stuff that's true. Like, all of that is is true. Sure. Okay. Uh, After this, we get some more interview time with Arnold. Uh, He has a little love story time. Uh, He's hilarious (laughs) and full of confidence. Arnold's completely in charge of his surroundings in this whole film. Uh, he, Do you like that energy? Oh, absolutely. It's like you, you're, straight up big dick energy, like all the way through. Um, it's during this interview that he starts talking about the other competitors in the uh, Mr. Olympia coming up. And <laughs> another great line he has about uh, his good friend Franco. He says, Franco is smart, but he's a child and I'm his father, which Stacy may have alluded to at the beginning of this podcast. Um, I get it. I will, I will mix him up. <laughs> he will come so ready to South Africa, so strong. But by the time the night is over, the next morning, he will be ready to lose. I mean, I will just talk him into that. That's no problem to do, you know? And uh, so all those things, you know, are available. And so if they're available, you might as well use them. So that's why it doesn't matter if he comes in shape or out of shape. If he comes out of shape, at least he has less, less hustle for me, you know. And if he's in shape, fine. I hope he is. But you couldn't pull this with Franco, could you? Franco's pretty smart. Franco is pretty smart, but Franco is a child. And when it comes to the day of the contest, I'm his father. He comes to me for advices. So it's not that hard for me to give him the wrong advices. All right. Uh, The film moves to South Africa, where we get the Mr. Olympia contest. Uh, Arnold loves attention, and that comes across abundantly clear during uh, his interviews and photo sessions throughout the film. He's a showman through and through. One of you talked about this a second ago. One of my favorite scenes here is we get Lou Arnold and Lou's family having a meal together, and I think it is a breakfast of sorts, uh, giving each other shit, and it's beautiful. And it's just hysterical. them talking trash the yeah. whole time. Nobody is, like, mad about it. It's, like, just it's, all No, it's all fun. good humor, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it comes across that way on screen, too, so, I mean, it's really great. No, and I, I think Arnold was so dialed into what he was supposed to be delivering for this mm-hmm. that he was just feeding it out. But Lou is so good, well-mannered, and just good-humored. that, And his family is, too. Like, they just seem like salt-of-the-earth kind of yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And True. so they're just like, his dad is dishing it back tenfold, yeah. too. It's a good back and forth. Mm-hmm. 
He's talking about pumping up. He's talking about sucking me out. She's talking about my mother. Yeah. You're the king of kings, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. He's rubbing it in. <laughs> How are you doing, Lou? Hmm? How are you doing? Good. What kind of worry today? No. I'm a little tired. No. Gotta wake up. They don't come nicer than you, Arnold. I'm a nice guy. I wouldn't turn my back on you, Arnold, within 500 yards. <laughs> you don't trust me. Why is that? The uh, competition starts. All the competitors show off their poses for the judges. Arnold believes his is perfect from his body to his pose, and he's not wrong. Arnold is a great heel, an ideal villain that you never believe will fail, and also kind of root for because of his charisma, at least in my opinion. Uh, Franco wins the Mr. Olympia for the under 200-pound weight class. Uh, we meet a character that came into the competition late named Serge. What's Serge Nubre. Nubre. So he wasn't in the film more because, at least from what I've read, so he was a big star in Europe, and he wanted a lot of money to be featured in the film. Okay. So, Which makes sense because he was yeah. profitable overseas. And yeah. Again, uh, a beautiful figure. Oh, so handsome. And also um, stacked as well. And uh, as come to find out, him, Serge, Lou, and Arnold all make the final three for the competition. Um, so we get uh, we we get the final um, vote here in front of the crowd and everything. Final three for the heavyweight class, Mr. Olympia, uh, third place. Uh, Lou makes third, second place surge, and first place in defending champ Arnold wins again. Uh, Franco and Arnold, two best friends, two Mr. Olympia champs, and then we get a final vote between the two champions of the overall Mr. Olympia 1975. Arnold beats out his good friend Franco. Uh, Arnold announces after his win that he is officially retiring from competition, uh, from bodybuilding, and at the end, of course, we get Arnold again in his Arnold is numero uno shirt, drinking beer, eating fried chicken, strong flex game, bro. Smoking pot. I love Smoking that pot. he just has a giant plate of fried mm-hmm. chicken sitting in his lap, yeah. and he's just three pieces back. of chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with a joint. It's great. He's got ashes on his shirt. He does not care. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Also, that retirement, it doesn't stick. Okay, he comes back and wins it in 1980, which I didn't know. So I'm glad. You but people, that to people attention. were pissed. They felt they got robbed. Well, that's like, true. Why come back. I felt yeah. those quads weren't as big. <laughs> that was like the legitimate complaint is that they felt like his legs were not as big. Man, well, you know, when when you're a perfect body, it's you gotta, you know, people gotta find something. Yeah. Well, Frank Zane busted his dick, so he couldn't compete. Ooh. Hey. Mm-mm. Well, one movie I like. I said before, I really enjoyed this a lot. Watching it in full, I, I think it's a. a just a great movie, a great documentary. You have to... It has so much rewatchability, too, mm-hmm. right? Like, sure. It's so entertaining. I think it's one of the most rewatchable documentaries. It's so much fun. Because of how fun and entertaining and it's it is. And sure, it's short. It's easy breezy. What's under an hour and a half? That's yeah, it's so like 86 good. minutes. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. And it, it goes by. Like, you don't feel... Sometimes short movies, even when they're short, you can feel length at times. Like, this just breezes by. Yeah. It's like... And, yeah, you're, you're captivated. You're entertained the whole way through. It's weird because like you get emotionally invested and like you feel bad for certain people you want like you're rooting for them. Obviously, 
main thing is Arnold, even though he's yeah. being a little shit heel. You want him to go all the way. You know he's going all the way. That's that's one thing I really appreciate about it. It's like he is the quote unquote villain, but like from for me anyway, like you're never rooting against him. Never. <laughs> like, but you're not rooting against <laughs> right. Lou either. Sure. Like, yeah, like Lou's a perfectly good character, a yeah. nice guy. Like as far as a comparison and other sport venues would go, it seems Arnold has that Ollie energy before, mm-hmm. like, what, 1971, when Ollie comes back as a hero sure. since he beat the U.S. government. Yep. And he has, like, that those amazing three fights with Joe Frazier. Mm-hmm. That's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Before that, people in the 60s hated Muhammad Ali. Well, the fact that he just called himself Muhammad Ali, yeah. like, people hated that. They hated Muhammad Ali for and, a lot like, of reasons. But he... he you know, backed up everything he said, and I think Arnold's got a lot of energy there, where he's got the charisma, but also it's like he is the best in the world. Yeah, it's one of those figures like you see in sports sometimes, like they're very rare, but like guys who are so good that they believe it, and like like the the warrant yeah of the cockiness yeah. where mm-hmm. it's like yeah it's like people Jordan. out there probably hate them so bad, but yeah. like it doesn't matter because like. They're going to back up what they say. Yeah, yeah. Jordan's a good comparison for mm-hmm. sure. Like, yeah. Yeah, just, man. Yeah. I, I, I'll just, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger a lot, but, like, after this, like, I love him. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. I think that's a good point. Even if you're a fan of his films, you really have to go back and watch this because mm-hmm. it, it's it'll just take it to a different level. It, it really does. Like, it gives you a... A different side of him in a way like you watch him on screen as an action star and obviously like he's got charisma he's a good action star but like a lot of those times they put him he plays the same type of character a lot he's a and, hunk of me yeah and yeah you don't really see his personality like fleshed out but in this movie like even if not all of it's like completely i feel like it is but like you said it's a, a drama as well it's so even if facets it's ex- of exaggerated him. You still get the understanding of a of a person that is very charismatic and has a different side. You, you really doing. don't get this version of Arnold in movies until he starts doing those Ivan Reitman comedies. That's true. Because mm-hmm. he does Twins and then yeah. Junior in the nineties. Yeah. But <laughs> I will say I think that for like you know that era of movie star, like Sly is obviously a better actor, but I think that Arnold has probably made the best decisions out yeah. of those action stars. Like, I mean, every Arnold movie is just about a banger. You know, he always puts himself with the best people that he possibly can. I mean, Predator is a classic. Terminators, mm-hmm. those are classics. He is very big on, like, putting people over and bringing his friends with them because mm-hmm. he, he does it time and time again. But I think with Pumping Iron, a lot of people that didn't know, it's weren't quite aware of, like, what bodybuilding is and like his history in it not knowing all of this realizing the work and dedication and like how calculated because he talks about like uh i think he's doing an interview in gold's gym at one point in the movie early on where he's talking about like you know a sculptor they can just slap clay on but whenever you're looking at your body it's like oh i need more deltoids i need biceps shoulders he's like you know you have to work and i don't just put on half an inch of one muscle i do it all over all of the hard work he put into it and how dedicated he was, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. I feel, it, for me, it gives me like a new level of respect. So for people who aren't as interested in the sport, 
as like I am. Uh, as I said earlier, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know this world at all. I haven't lifted weights since I was in high school, but it, I, I love the movie. I mean, it's, it's so easy to, I mean, it, what the movie does really well too is right from the beginning, it takes you into this world and you start getting to know these, these characters right from the beginning. So it's very easy to kind of fall for them. And, and you lock in yeah. on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you really do. Even sure. like you were joking with Ken, but it's right. like, oh yeah, he's still likable. He's, he's fun to watch on screen. Yeah. So yeah, really, really enjoyed the movie. Does this movie make you want to get in the gym? It doesn't. Do we want to move into categories? Yeah. Sure. I'm going to say my high is obviously Arnold. I think that this, he used this opportunity not only to put over the sport that he loves and get more eyes on it, but also to put himself over as a bankable entertainer. Like, I think that's awesome. My low is going to be, there's not enough Franco. Just reading the articles and the stories about Arnold and Franco's friendship and their, you know, camaraderie and workouts. It's like, I wanted to see more of that. You get a little bit of it on Muscle Beach, but... There's not I, Muscle Beach either. No, I mean, Muscle Beach, you know, it was mostly Gold's Gym for those dudes back then, but... You know, I would have liked to see more Franco. I at, For a little, like, sub-B thing, maybe just knowing the effect that it had on the person, maybe a little less Marty. You know, I feel bad for Lou because he, he talks about, if you watch, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff on this, he talks about how, you know, his dad was brought in, you know, to heighten the drama of the film. There is a scene during the Olympia where he goes on stage and gives him a note right before he goes out to pose. Yeah. And it's just like, It's like, oh. what the fuck do you know, man? It, but also, it's like, you don't do that to someone right before they're getting ready to do any sort of performance. You no. don't give them a last-minute note, and it's just for the documentary. It feels bad. And, and it's it makes, the one thing. I feel bad that Lou felt like he had a bad experience during the filming of this. He couldn't enjoy his first time because there was mm. someone following him. But yeah, and... He left bodybuilding, you know, right after this. He went into TV, but you know what could have been mm-hmm. if he was oh, he would have gone on a tear. Mm-hmm. All right, Evan, you want me to do comedy gold? Yeah, I don't want to steal. We're it's. I mean, everybody has the same thing. I imagine I possibly have something different. So just Arnold coming, Arnold coming. You know, one of my favorite scenes in the film is when he's doing the photo shoot with Joe Weider looking on, and he's got the girl now on his shoulders. Mine. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Joe Weider's like, play with this hair, play with this hair, make it look sexy. My, my and then is... Arnold's like trying to bend the exerciser, and then he karate chops it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love that. I love, there's a line during that scene, not to cut it on you, but where the girl who's on his shoulders. Like, she's playing with his hair the whole time, and she's like, I thought you were strong. And he just, like, automatically bends it in two. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just, like, oh. big dick energy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nolan? All right. Uh, so my high is uh, obviously the the coming day and night. Uh, that's your high. That's my high. That I love, like I said, like the whole movie, but but that quote it's, is, like, it's iconic for a reason. Uh, because... 
it's but it's not just the quote it, you're right it's it, everything yeah. about mm-hmm. that moment yeah it, everything it, it's it, it's not only funny but it, it is just like it's a brilliant moment it, it ties the film like everything about it i just absolutely my low moment is there is not more arnold fashion game we talked about this as we were watching so and I understand he's in the gym a lot, which he has to be, so he's mostly wearing tank tops or with no shirt or whatever. But when he's doing his interviews... These and guys like, like to dress up. Yeah, yeah. Like, not only do they want to show off their body, yeah. they like to wear colorful, bright... That's true. Flashy yeah. things. And he looks good. So yeah. I, I wanted to see more Arnold fashion and just... What, what else he got in that wardrobe? I want to know. Because mm-hmm. he look good. <laughs> Make him laugh, comedy gold moment. Uh, for me, there's a lot to choose from here. What I'm going to go with is uh, when Arnold goes to the federal prison and he is, he, he kisses a lady. and A lady's like taking yeah, off his right. shirt yeah. and he gives her a little gives kiss a on kiss. the cheek. She's probably like, that's the first time you've been kissed in quite some time, huh? And so as he's saying that, there's a man in the back who's like, I want to be kissed too, or can I have a kiss too? He's like, I want a treat or yeah. something. And uh, Arnold like laughs and something with his other and he's like joking around and, and then he's like you know if you want i'll come give you a kiss yeah, he's like come was, over here it was really great <laughs> yeah, i've heard about you guys heard about you guys yeah <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that moment quite a bit um, so yeah that's what i got melanie so my low is also there's not enough franco my high i would have to say it, i mean it's arnold overall but i think Going past, like, in the checkout line, whenever they would have those bodybuilding magazines back in, like, 90s, 2000s, the aesthetic of that time, it personal Mm -hmm. choices, whatever, (laughs) not my taste. They were very lumpy and big and bulky. From the 90s. From the 90s. It was a rough point. Mm -hmm. So going back, I think this is such a high point for bodybuilding in general because it's showcasing some of the best bodies and, like, the aesthetic of bodybuilding ever like it's some of the it's like the golden era for a reason it's so good and arnold is like the perfect poster child for for Mm -hmm. this so i think while it is arnold i think it's this point in time it's it's like so crazy that they did a documentary around this point like it's just it was so Mm -hmm. primed for it and it just delivered in such a big great way so i just love that it exists and then comedy gold I the thing that makes me laugh the most is coming day and night and it, it does, yeah. yeah absolutely I respect you for picking something different but. I look if I'm being honest <laughs> it's, it's the coming day and night too I was just trying, trying to, to think different. of something different that still makes me laugh look, a lot of the movie makes me laugh yeah mm-hmm. but there's it's a very I mean, funny the part. wrong advices that's another yeah. really great segment where yeah. he again him talking about franco and how he's a child but even the story where he's telling the interviewer like the guy that was running for mr munich like i got this new routine through america oh his- you have to you have to scream <laughs> Yeah. Ah! Oh! Ah! Yeah, his whole thing is the higher you bring your body, the yeah. louder you scream. That's right. <laughs> ah! It's, oh. <laughs> he's like, he goes up there and he's screaming. They pull him off the stage. <laughs> like is, all of his stories are insane. I yeah, I could I could watch a whole movie of just Arnold story time, mm-hmm. like <laughs> just that. sitting back in that pose yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. It's the best. It's like it's so good. There's got to be a lot of outtakes of that. I want. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
So do we want to wrap up with final thoughts? And I do have a Mary F. Kill, but oh, it's, nice. it's strictly... I am offended that you'd want to kill anybody in this here, film. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's strictly... I was about to preface this with... It is only their characters in... They the, are real-life people, I Melanie. No, but it's just in... I refuse to kill anyone. We're t- okay, fine. Then you bench them. They're going backstage. There you go. Mary okay. fuck bench. There you go. Okay. Uh, That's fair. Real quick, final thoughts. Uh, go watch this movie, because it rules, and... Had a blast watching this, and uh, it's, it's it's a great film. Masterpiece. Like, if you are legitimately... You don't have to be interested in the sport At all. to enjoy this film. If you are interested in documentary, and just the form of documentary, I think this film is worthwhile. Oh, I think this is must-watch. I think, absolutely, it's such a good breakdown of storytelling. Like, whether it's mm-hmm. documentary or not, it is such a good formulaic of how to like build your characters and it's like your villains and your heroes it's so good because again you ultimately you're rooting for everybody you want all of them to succeed so in that way it kind of you even if you don't care about bodybuilding you get engaged it hooks you yeah so it's Uh, just so good is this i was gonna ask is this a this is available to stream. Yes, it's you can uh, Amazon. It's Amazon, on it's on YouTube, Tubi, yeah. I think Fubio. And we watched it on Amazon. The print looks great. Yeah, like no, it looked really as, good. as good as you can get. They yeah. haven't done a Blu-ray yet. To which, my which is so stupid. They yeah. need this should have a Blu-ray. It should have features, yeah. commentary. Put that shit out. Because can you imagine a commentary of Arnold? Hell I think yeah. there is one on the DVD. Oh, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Damn right. All right, let's. Let's let's do this, Melanie. Okay, so obviously it's Franco, Lou, and Arnold. Okay. What? Franco, <laughs> Lou, and Arnold. Right, it I'll, has to be. It first. has to be our, our main protagonist. Today. Okay. Franco, Lou, Arnold. Um. Okay. Mary fuck bench. I'm, I'm obviously marrying Arnold. He's everything I want. He's hilarious. So many adventures. He yeah. He like. Uh, Lot of sex. I would be so much sex, so protected. Like anybody who even like tried to mess with him, you're you're done. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm good. All right. I'm effing Franco. Like, look, I'm sorry, Lou. I I like Lou a lot, but Franco, he just he has my eye a little more. You think he's generating a lot of power? Yeah. So power bottom, as they say. Mm -hmm. All right. And then Lou, I'm I'm benching you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I respect you. You still look great. You're a specimen. It's and he's just, the biggest one out of them. It's true. It's just the other two are just a, a little more preferable for me. It's a personal choice. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Can I marry, marry, marry? Can I have a, that big love life? <laughs> oh, you want big love. You want, you're going to marry all, you're, you refuse to I don't want to bench any of them. I, I feel like the spirit of the question, it's mean. I uh, I don't want to bench him. I love that this is the first time that you have a problem. Listen, I would probably pick the same as Nolan if I was forced to, but in my heart, I truly would just marry all three. Well, to switch it up a little bit, I would have a nice fling with Arnold. You'd fuck him. I have a fling. I have a fling fling with him. You've seen the Terminator in high definition. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I have, and I'm. I'll watch it again many times. It's a meaty dick. Yeah. Okay. That well, he's not wrong. It's like a knee knocker. It was not made for high definition. Anyways, (laughs) 
I'm marrying Franco. I just, like, just an absolute dream. I think 10 out of 10. I was very sad so, whenever he passed, legitimately, because I do, I love Franco so much. For so. all three of us, Lou's on a bitch. Yeah. But I love Lou. Lou's great. Well, and I think Lou is very In handsome. your situation, I married, married, married. You're marrying all three of them. Yeah. You think any of them have a jealous bone in their body? Like, no? You think no. they're all going to be all right? Just my bone. Well. Oh, sick. I think the only, I mean, Franco and, <laughs> Franco and Arnold, like, I think they would not have a problem. They'd probably. They'd be sharing you all day. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's the thing like, that probably actually happened. I F him at two. You can have him at five. Give you a few hours each of you to, <laughs> to you know, get some get some liquids in your system. R and R. I love everybody in this movie. Yeah. They're great. You make me never mind. What? Nothing. What? Acting like I'm the heel here. Huh. I huh. mean originally you want to call it Mary Fuck and Kill. Just like that, Melanie, he it. has made you the Arnold of the podcast. Thank you. Before we end, anything else anybody wants to say about the great pumping iron? I mean, you have to watch it. Even if it's something that you don't think you might be interested in, I promise you will be. Fantastic film. This has been fun. I'm glad uh, you made us watch this because uh, I just saw a great movie. Glad glad you all enjoyed it. Absolutely. Us at Cinema Parlor, we're going to be moving on to a spooky things. Yeah, we got hopefully more frequency for season coming. Popping them out. They're hot and heavy. So we'll have some. Fun episodes for you guys. Uh, Our favorite time of the year. This fall. So how about that? Uh, in the meantime, you can find us at Cinema Parlor on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, you can also find the show itself on iTunes, the Pod Center. You can find us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, mostly anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find me personally on Chuck Madden Jr. on Letterboxd. Uh, before I move on, uh, also I'm Give us some ratings and reviews on oh, we didn't check again. Pod That's Center. Okay. We didn't check them None. again. Okay, we don't have any at the time. <laughs> I looked. Um, so please, if, if anyone gives us a rating or review, I will read them on air, whether good or bad, as long as they uh, are not derogative uh, in a... I think everybody knows at this point. Just don't say something terribly shitty that would offend someone. So with that being said, Stacy, where can people find you? Escalate Ready for Waterbox. And Melanie. Plastic Werewolf on all social media. All right. Guys, good time. Great movie. Uh, Till next time, please. Happy birthday, Stacy. Goodbye. The greatest feeling you can get in a gym or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. Let's say you train your biceps. Blood is rushing into your muscles, and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get a really tight feeling, like your skin is going to explode any minute. You know, it's really tight. It's like somebody blowing air into into your muscle. It just blows up, and it feels different. It feels fantastic. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. So, can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym, I'm getting the feeling of coming at home, I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? (laughs) So, you know, I'm in heaven.